Welcome to the Men Made For More podcast, a show designed by men for men looking to get strong, feel confident, and live a high-performing life. As men, we face many challenges as we try and strive for a better life. You want to live a meaningful and confident life, but you don't know where to start. You've lost your physical and mental edge that's keeping you from living out your full potential. You're tired of talking about doing big things, and you're ready to start living it. With the Men Made For More podcast, our goal is to teach you how to strengthen your body, your mind, and your purpose on your way to reaching your full potential. It's time to start living as the man you know you can be to help lift those up that matter the most in your life. Every week, we'll have a featured guest who will share valuable information and experience to give you actionable strategies you can apply to live as the man you were made to be. We'll draw on our guest's knowledge and experience. More importantly, we'll discuss how this applies to the common challenges and struggles of being a man in today's world. Our goal is to not only build strong men physically, but to help coach and develop strong friends, sons, brothers, fathers, business owners, and professionals in every area of your life. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Pachkowski, proud husband, business owner, physical therapist, and strength coach with a passion for helping other men strengthen their body, their mind, and their purpose. Wherever you're at on your journey, I'm excited to have you here with us today. Now let's dive in to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's guest episode of the Men Made For More podcast uh, with special guest, Dr. Andrew Kennis on the show today. And uh, just real excited for you guys in this one. We're diving into some of the uh, deep dives and the, all the things that go into low back pain and how to develop a bulletproof lower back. Low back pain is the most common thing we see at our performance physical therapy clinic. Uh, Andrew would agree with with uh, us on this in terms of his practice and uh, just the prevalence of low back pain is astronomical. So if you haven't yet experienced it, do everything you can to avoid it because uh, the majority of people listening will have experienced it at some point or might be currently experiencing it as well. Uh, for a little bit more on uh, Andrew. So Andrew a, is a residency and fellowship trained physical therapist who specializes in helping athletes from the professional level to weekend warrior quickly recover from an injury so they can move better and continue to be active in their sport. Andrew graduated with a bachelor's of science in kinesiology from Arizona State University and then his doctorate of physical therapy from Nova Southeastern University in 2014. And then upon graduation, he moved to Houston, Texas, where he completed an orthopedic residency and soon after a sports manual therapy fellowship from the prestigious Institute of Athlete Regeneration. And through these expert programs, he evolved into an elite clinician with unparalleled skills in manual therapy, exercise prescription, injury prevention, movement analysis, recovery, and human performance. He is dual board certified in orthopedics and sports specialties and holds certifications as strength conditioning specialist, kinesio tape practitioner, and sports nutritionist. And this is a rare combination that makes him one of the highest credentialed physical therapists in the whole country. And he is a published author in multiple national journals and presents regularly at conferences to educate fellow clinicians. And he also has advanced treatment methodology that allows him to efficiently diagnose, but also undercover the root underlying cause, which is what we're going to be diving into deep here today. And this pretty much allows just for taking away the 
short-term fix, the quick improvements, but also offering long-term results. He's passionate himself about CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting, and he understands this mindset for people that are looking to get active and stay active. So guys, he is uh, a stud to put it one way, uh, has all the the knowledge to back it up and gets results day in and day out for uh, the patients that he works with in his practice, the Charlotte athlete. So I'm excited for you guys to learn from him. Uh, as I have much in uh, our time together and our relationship together and uh, excited for you guys to hear a little more about the underlying lifestyle factors behind back pain, sleep, work, and exercise programming, and then also some of the underlying root causes of a lack of midline control, a lack of mobility, and a lack of core stability. So we're going to dive into all these things for you guys here today and uh, excited to have Andrew on here. I don't want to hold it up anymore, so let's get started. Andrew, welcome to the Men Made for More podcast, man. Stoked to have you on here. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, looking forward to hearing a little more on your expertise. And once you, once you give people listening just a background, you know, as, as brief or in depth as you want to on your story personally, professionally, what's up with the Charlotte athlete and kind of what you're doing, who you're working with and what you're up to now. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I'm from Philadelphia originally and Got my uh, physical therapy degree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida at a school called Nova Southeastern University, uh, after which I moved to Houston, Texas, where I completed an orthopedic physical therapy residency and a sports manual therapy uh, fellowship program. Since I uh, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I'm at now, um, I received a few other, so I'm one of the few uh, physical therapists in the country that are both dual certified in orthopedics and sports and have done a residency and a fellowship, which all that means is that I'm I'm just really passionate about what I do. Um, I'm also a strength coach. I'm a USA weightlifting coach um, and I own my own practice, which is called the Charlotte Athlete. And uh, this practice is a a, uh, non-insurance, a cash only practice um, where we treat almost exclusively uh, athletes, more active individuals, uh, weightlifters, CrossFit, um, you know, uh, Orange Theory runners, everyday gym goers. Um, just basically, if, if you're active and you want to use your body um, the way you want, any way you want, you know, we're here to help. Um, the last thing to add in here is I also do quite a bit of teaching. So that fellowship program I mentioned, I am faculty uh, in this fellowship. It's called. IAR, which stands for the Institute for Athlete Regeneration. Um, so I teach both locally uh, in Charlotte to physical therapists that uh, fly in from around the country for our weekend courses, um, but I also teach frequently in Phoenix uh, and also in, uh, in Texas, specifically Houston, sometimes Dallas. Um, and I've also worked with a number, through this fellowship program, a number of uh, professional sports teams through uh, uh, the NFL, NHL, um, and the NBA. So I'm excited to be here and, um, you know, see if I can offer you all some insights as to, um, you know, uh, some in-depth look at the topic on hand. And, um, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Cause as, as you guys can hear, they're listening, you're, you're pretty much a, a genius in the field, man, lead, leading the way. And I mean, you're the one teaching, teaching the professional teams, healthcare professionals and physical therapists from all over the country, helping them become better practitioners. And like I said, I know your, know your passion is there. So I'm excited to talk about this, especially as we get into low back pain, which is, I know an area you're passionate about and so knowledgeable in, and one that's just so prevalent. Anyone listening probably has experienced back pain at some form or another. You're probably better at the actual statistics than, than I am, but chances are that 
if you're listening, you've probably had either some kind of injury, some kind of back pain, aches, things that come up because it's, it's the most common thing that we tend to see. And I know it's, it's heavy in your practice too, but I think a good, you know, a good kickoff in this topic is like, what are the, what are the layers behind back pain? Why does back pain even happen? Cause I think it's, I think you and I know it's not as, maybe not as uh, understood as people think it is. And people might have some, uh, some misconceptions about why it happens. So, so what are some of the, you know, things to consider? Where do we even start when it comes to why does back pain even begin in the first place? Yeah, Dave, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, low back pain is so dang prevalent. Um, it's the number one area of the body that I treat in my practice and the work with athletes with, and, um, it's everywhere. And yeah, if, if you're one of the lucky ones listening that has not experienced low back pain, uh, yet, I mean, there's statistically a good chance that you will at some point in your life. So, so yeah, I mean, the big question is why, you know, why does this, why is this so prevalent? Why is this, you know, um, causing people to, to seek medical professionals and keep people from, you know, being in the gym and and affecting the way they live their life. And, and, uh, it's, it's one of those, yeah, very commonly misunderstood areas, but you know, everything does happen for a reason. Okay. And so we need to, in order to really understand why low back pain occurs, you really do have to, to dig deep and peel back the layers. So, um, you know, when we're, so I guess just for simplicity's sake, for what I'm going to mention now, it's, it's related towards back pain that occurs without any specific injury associated with it. Okay. So this is non-acute, non, there's no event that you can identify. This is low back pain that starts to develop over time. Um, and, uh, and we're going to dial in here first. So and also just one side note on that. I mean, this, while we are going to talk about this, a lot of, a lot of uh, what causes this type of low back pain is the same thing that sets the stage for acute injury to occur anyways. So it, it's, I say it's more towards the no, no specific event. I guess what I'm really referring to is no like free car accident or something like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the vast majority of lower back pain happens because of the way that we move. Okay. The way we move our bodies the way our body can function as an entire unit. And so what can happen is we can develop poor movement patterns. Okay. And we want to ask the question, why do we develop poor movement patterns? Well, sure. Technique can be a part of it. Sure. Lack of warm up and all that, but vast majority, you know, we move poorly because we have imbalances within our body imbalances, not just from a mobility standpoint, mobility, meaning just the, you know, the ability of your body to obtain certain positions or certain ranges of motion, but also from a strength or stability standpoint and how well we control that. So, so yeah, so we move poorly because of imbalances we develop within our body, but we got to go further. Okay. Why do we develop these imbalances to begin with? So basically that boils down to what we do day in and day out throughout the night, throughout the day, you know, what do we, what positions do we sleep in? You know, what is the quality of our sleep that can certainly create some, uh, some, some big differences within the body. Um, what do we do for work? Are we sitting all day? Are we standing all day? Are we doing the same repeated motions over and over again? Um, and also, you know, exercise, what are we doing for exercise? You know, what, what does our programming look like? Do we have balance in our programming? Um, how many days a week are we exercising? You know, it's all these factors, you know, sleep, exercise, work being the big three over a long period of time, you can develop, you know, um, you can develop these imbalances, which cause you to move poorly, which then results in, in some sort of back pain. 
Yeah. So in here, Jack, for, for people like, so there's a lot that goes into it. And I think it's, you know, it, it sounds complicated and it sounds like, you know, for people listening, it's like, wow, there's a lot of factors that go into it. It's not just the deadlift I did where I started to feel my back pain, or it's not just the CrossFit workout that caused my back to be sore in its sore since this has probably been something that's building up for tens of thousands of repetitions and many days, weeks, months, years, even for most people to do that. So when it comes to all those things you mentioned and sleep, exercise, work being the, the big three, you know, where do you recommend starting with people? If someone's listening and they're like, wow, that's a lot. Where, like, what's a, where do you recommend starting even with, with all those things in mind for someone that's, that's dealing with this pain? Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of variability, um, in terms of the different imbalances that can occur and the, and the different movement patterns that can occur. But, you know, I could, um, yeah, I'd love to dive into some of the most common, you know, uh, common areas, uh, kind of a shotgun approach, which does apply to the vast majority of individuals. And, and yeah, so let's chat about each of these three. So <clears throat> sleep, sleep is huge. Sleep, I think is one of the most overlooked, you know, aspects of our lives that can significantly, significantly increase the chance of developing low back and, and neck pain, not to get off topic there. But um, in my opinion, I, I think sleep, specifically stomach sleeping, is the number one risk factor for low back pain. You know, I can't tell you how many individuals sleep on their stomach that come through my door, sleep on their stomach and wake up, you know, in, with stiffness and pain in the morning or they sleep also, which is equally as bad in the infamous, I call it the, the mountain climber position where you're kind of on your side slash stomach, that kind of top knee is hitting the mattress kind of up, up closer towards the waistline. Um, that puts all kinds of twisting torque on the, on the hips and low back and, and really sets you, sets your body up for failure. So, you know, sleep is a time that we're supposed to be recovering. We're supposed to be healing, you know, and if we're putting our bodies in a, in a poor position for hopefully eight hours, I mean, that's a long, long time to, to be in a poor position and you're not, your body's not gonna be able to recover, um, you know, from the, from its daily activities. So, First and foremost, sleep, specifically uh, stomach sleeping and mountain climber sleeping. Those are two major risk factors for low back pain. Um, do, you do you recommend people on their back or sides then, or what do you tend to recommend for people that are stomach sleepers? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a process. You know, most stomach sleepers have been in that position for most of their life. So, um, so you know, it's, it's something where I recommend start off spending 10 minutes each night um, yeah, either on your back or on your side, ideally with a pillow between the knees or at the very least just keeping the legs stacked. Um, those positions are certainly fine. Um, but it's something that, you know, it's, you can't just, it's, it's not a habit that you can just make an instant change with, you know, uh, the goal, yeah, is to spend all night either on your back or your sides. Um, however, it's, it's something that likely has been going on for a long, long period and that you need to you know, just stay, um, stay consistent with and just try to spend increased time every night in those positions. And, and what you'll find is you'll wake up feeling more refreshed, you know, like you can hit the weights harder, longer, and you just, you'll feel better. Um, so, so yeah, two great places to start. So yeah, I guess kind of moving on then to, you know, we're going to talk quickly about work and exercise. I mean, we all know that sitting all day and then going to the gym without warming up is a recipe for, for disaster. And, um, you know, the reason, the main reason is, is because when you sit for that long period of time, two main areas, I should say three main areas get stiff, your hips, your hip flexors, and your upper back. So if you recall, you know, earlier I mentioned the body 
it's, it's like a big machine. You know, you have a bunch of moving parts. It works as a unit, you know, um, and if you have stiff areas, like if we're talking the low back specifically, you have stiffness in your thoracic spine, which is that mid upper back because you've been slouching behind a computer all day. And then you have stiffness below the, the lumbar spine in the hips and the hip flexors. Well, guess what? You got this kind of sandwich effect. It's going to cause increased motion in the lower back. And anytime you have increased motion in a particular joint or any area of the body, it's, that's where pain occurs more often than a stiffer area. So if we're sitting all day, our hips get stiff, our hip flexors get stiff and our, our upper back gets stiff. And then we go to the gym and, you know, do some half-ass warm-up or something that doesn't even relate to, to the, you know, the exercises we're going to perform, then yeah, that's, that's a major, major risk factor or reason why individuals, you know, you know, get pain. Um, the sitting example is probably the most prevalent to get into. Um, there's other specifics for people that stand all day, but to be honest, the reality is you want to mix. You shouldn't stand, you shouldn't sit, or you shouldn't stand all day. The best thing to do is move around. So if you're one of those individuals that spends a lot of time behind the computer or, or traveling or commuting to work, um, you know, throughout the day, the goal is to take a lot of breaks. You know, hopefully a stand-up desk is, is a, a really good solution to, to help break things up. You know, you kind of want to just mix it up in terms of spending some time sitting, sometimes standing. Um, you know, a great ratio you could do is something like, you know, um, let's say 40 minutes of sitting, 10 minutes of standing, and or 15 minutes of standing, and then, you know, five minutes of walking around, kind of changing things up, maybe doing some different, doing some different mobility drills or, or anything specific to your body. But, and you just repeat that all day long. Um, it's just the prolonged positions, they wreck our bodies, uh, long-term. And that's one of those things that can really add up and create those imbalances. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think an important note on that too, is people think that there's such a, you know, a buzz towards standing desk that people are like, Oh, but I stand like I'm standing for eight hours a day and my back still hurts. And standing is still a, a sedentary position. Like you said, our body wants to be moving and changing positions. And that's where, moving from sitting to standing, taking a walk is going to be better. Some mobility drills, even dropping, if you have a pad, you can kneel down and stretch your hip flexors out during the, like there's, there's lots of ways that you can incorporate movement in without having to really take like a, we're not asking you to take a half hour break every, every hour. We know you have work to get done, but I think it's important to note that that's a, you know, those fluid postures are what's better than any kind of sedentary posture, even if that's standing. Yeah, 100%. So when, when you talk about, I want to circle back on when you talk about, so sitting stiffens up our hips, stiffens up hip flexors, stiffens up our upper back. And you mentioned that that creates more movement at the lower back where the lower back isn't meant to necessarily be an area where we want to see a lot of movement from. And that can be due to stiffness. That can be due to just a lack of awareness. But what does that actually look like for people listening? Like, so they don't warm up, they sit all day, they go to the gym. Let's take CrossFit as an example. They're they're doing all these movements. What does it look like that they're getting more movement from their lower back and how does that impact their, their back pain? Yeah, great question. Great question. So I think the, the simplest way to look at this is when our lower back deviates from its neutral center position in either direction, forward or back, that's what leads to issues. And so if our lower back goes forward, that's going to cause it to arch or extend. If our lower back goes the other direction backwards, that's going to cause it to essentially round or, you know, kind of 
now. And so healthy lower back is going to stay right there in the middle. Whenever we have tight hips or the upper back is stiff or heck, you can even have tight ankles and that could influence how your back moves. Um, it's going to increase the chance that you will deviate from that midline. And so let's kind of spend the moment and, and talk about each one of those and kind of what that looks like. So anytime your lower back excessively arches, it's going to end up causing more pain, whether it's during or after or long-term. And anytime it rounds too much, that's typically where you're going to get that blow up the back kind of extreme tightness or fatigue feeling that, you know, experiences with, uh, you know, high rep deadlifts and, and the sort like that. So let's just spend a moment and talk about what each of these looks like. Starting, let's start with extension because that's, that's the most common movement pattern in the lower back that leads to lower back pain. Okay. So, so what is that? So it's basically anytime your back excessively arches when you're performing different movements. And so if we were to use CrossFit as an example, um, there are a ton of exercises in CrossFit that if you're not, if you're lacking midline control can lead to extension. And so some good examples would be like a burpee, a burpee that looks like a worm versus, you know, like a, like a, a pushup or if you ever see someone go down into a squat and then when they come back up to the starting position and they throw their hips forward too far, um, that will cause arching the low back. Or if you're pressing weight overhead, doing a shoulder press, you know, a push press, push jerk, split jerk, whatever the case is, you know, let your ribs flare up, that's going to cause arching the lower back. Um, you know, American kettlebell swings, if you're sending the hips too far forward as you're raising your that kettlebell over to the overhead position especially if you have tight shoulders that's going to increase the chance that you're going to arch the back and so this repetitive arching that can occur with a ton of movements you know over a long period of time that's what's going to really you know irritate the low back and and lead to pain um the other direction is what typically causes your low back to really burn out quick and get that really fatigued kind of tight feeling Okay, so I mentioned that extension is the most common movement pattern that leads to lower back uh, pain. Well, if you think about it, if your lower back is constantly arching or extending, then the muscles of the lower back, they're going to get shorter, okay? The muscles in the front, like your abs, they're going to get a little bit longer and weak. So the muscles behind your spine, they're going to get shorter, okay? And then if you then stress it to get from like a deadlift or anything that may cause some rounding of the low back, you're essentially lengthening those muscles a little bit. And then you're asking them to, you know, to, to basically stabilize your whole body, uh, especially anytime the weight is in front of you. And that's going to cause them to really fatigue out and kind of burn out. And so the most common exercises that cause that burnout feeling, you know, that extreme uh, fatigue feeling in the low back, is really anything where the weight is in front of your body or the weight of your body is up on the, or is up or pushed onto the toes, onto your forefoot or your toes. So let me give you some examples of each. So when the weight's in front of your body, that could be like a power clean, a front squat, you know, overhead squat. That could be like a, if you're doing like a goblet step up or a deadlift or a bend over row, Every single one of these exercises are the most common exercises that, you know, uh, cause that extreme tightness in the low back. And every one of those has the weight in front, you know, of their body. 
you know, or exercises that, yeah, that cause you to shift towards your toes. I mean, a lot of what I just mentioned there um, causes you to shift towards your toes. But also, you know, things like if you're doing a burpee, I mean, the, the reason why the burpee is a common exercise, common exercise that leads to issues is because you have both the low back extension problem, but then you also, you know, if you don't jump your body close enough to your hands when you're going to stand up, you can really shift your weight on your toes rep after rep after rep. Um, but yeah, if you're letting yourself drift too far with any, any version of the squat or, um, you know, lunges, um, you know, I already mentioned step ups. So those are just a really good example. Uh, anytime you tend to shift towards your toes, that's also going to increase the chance that you, you get that really, really tight low back feeling. Um, so, I mean, as you can imagine, if you're not careful with simple technique things, like I just mentioned and keeping your, your, your back neutral, then it could really, really give you a high chance of developing some kind of tightness or low back pain. And especially if you got, you know, um, if you got imbalances from a, a mobility or a strength uh, or weakness perspective, it makes it even harder to hold a neutral position. Oh, cool. Well, we're going to jump into the next question. Yeah. We had to, we had to take a quick pause on the show. Andrew just had to get up and move around. He's, he's practicing what he's preaching or, or it's just uh, someone else needed the treatment room, but either way, he's in a, a nice hip flexor stretch position now as we, I uh, keep picking up because I, I wanted to follow up with that last question of, so you're talking a lot about technique and I think it's pretty obvious for people listening. I hope so that technique seems to be the the glue that's really holding everything together because people experience back pain, at least in the people that I work with come in and they say, well, I've tried stretching. I've tried strengthening my core for, we'll maybe get into that later of what strengthening your core actually means, but people try and address back pain by like stretching and strengthening their way through it when that's not a complete picture. That's not a complete uh, piece of the puzzle. If we're, if we're neglecting the movement side of it, which seems, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be the most important factor, because if you're just trying to stretch and strengthen your way around it, but you're doing step ups, you're running, you're doing burpees, you're uh, biking, you're lifting, and you're not moving in a way that's avoiding stress on your back, then pain is going to continue to, continue to be present. And, and would you agree that it's not enough to just stretch and strengthen your way out of back pain, that technique should be the first place that people look? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it all ties together in, in a sense. Um, you know, our poor movement patterns need to be addressed for sure, but that also ties directly into you know, mobility work and, uh, and proper core kind of stability, core strengthening. Um, so it's, yeah, movement retraining is, at least that's what I kind of, that's what I call it. I mean, that's, that is a major, major component of, of rehabbing or, you know, or preventing low back pain from occurring, whatever the case is, uh, you have to move well. And that, that kind of, that ties in, yeah, with, with mobility and strength and, and here's why. And also you kind of mentioned, we might dive into the, the core stuff. I mean, this is a good time to talk about that as well. Um, in order for you to move well, you have to you have to have good, adequate motion, you know, throughout your entire body. You know, the, the example I used for the low back, the hips being stiff. I mean, you're, if you have stiff hips and you try to maintain a more neutral spine, it's going to be hard. If you have your hip flexors are just constantly pulling you into more lower back extension, it's going to be hard for you to to train your body to move better. You know, and uh, and then, yeah, if you have, if you have weakness, um, 
from a stability standpoint, it's going to be hard. And so let's just, let's, for ease of kind of, uh, you know, kind of describing or connecting all the dots here, let's just say that our mobility has been restored to as normal as we can get it via drills or hands-on work from a practitioner or whatever the case is. Okay, so now we got to train our body to essentially not extend as much as, extend or rotate as much as it's doing, which is what is leading to issues in the low back, tightness and pain in the low back. And so, so the big, big miss, I, I think a big reason, a big kind of confusing point that not only athletes struggle with, but also practitioners is there's a difference between strength and stability of the, of the core. You could have a six pack, you could have an eight pack that has no correlation with low back pain and whether or not you're going to get it or, or have it. You know, basically, our core is the center of our body. It's the foundation of our body. It needs to be still, it needs to be firm, it needs to allow safe motion of our upper body, our arms and legs. You know, it needs to, our, our core is built to prevent motion, I think is the easiest way to say it. So, our core is built to prevent motion, not create it. Okay. When you have excessive motion in your core, which is also excessive motion in your back, that is what leads to pain. That leads your back to extend and to, you know, to rotate excessively if you're a rotational athlete, and that leads to pain. So we need our core, we need to train our core to be solid, to be still. So the easiest kind of differentiator here would be a sit-up versus a plank. A sit-up is training your core to move your spine. Plank is training your core to prevent motion at your spine. Okay. And cause yeah, you can, I mean, look at how many pro athletes are out there that have been dealing with low back pain, whether it's, you know, Tiger Woods or whether it's Rob Gronkowski, whoever the case is that has an eight pack abs, essentially their core is just not able to provide a stable environment for their spine based off the, you know, whatever their demands of their sport are. And so they're getting excessive motion in their back. And um, one important solution for what they need or any athlete, I, sh- I should say, is they need to train their core to essentially prevent that motion from occurring. And so this is where exercises such as anti, they're called anti-exercises, anti-extension, which would be a plank, and anti-rotation. Those are the two key areas that you want to dial in at. So let's, let's just clarify what I'm talking about. The plank, if you were to fail the plank, let's just say failing, well, if you fail the plank, your hips are going to drop to the ground, right? Your back's going to go into extension. So that is an anti-extension exercise. You're training your core to prevent the back from marching, right? From the rotation standpoint, <clears throat> the, my favorite type of exercise as far as anti-rotation, and I think it's probably the most popular group out there, are the pal-off presses. You guys have ever heard of the pal-off press? Um, it is an amazing anti-rotation. There's a few anti-extension versions. There's a lot of different varieties, um, but a really amazing anti-rotation exercise that you can, um, you can you know, perform in a number of different ways that can really provide stability for your lower back. If you're, you know, hop on Google, if you've never heard of pal-off, 
presses or, or you know, go to YouTube and type in power presses. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's really good anti-rotation exercise, um, you know, really effective to help train or to prevent movement at the lower back. Now, I just want to take it one more step further before I, I uh, send it back to you, Dave. And it's also important the position – it's important to know the position that your back is in when you're performing these exercises. So the most common movement pattern that leads to pain, that is when the back is extending excessively or it's overarching. If you were to do a plank, let's just stick with that example because it's pretty um, – I think it's, it's pretty, a pretty well-known exercise. Um, if you were to do a plank and just let your hips sag in and, and train in extension, it's not going to do you any good. You're basically training your body to hold that extended position. So you need to raise the hips up a little bit. You need to get that back a little bit flatter. You need to get a little more neutral and train it in that position. Okay. Same thing with like the Palov press. If you're, if the Palov press is a standing exercise where, you know, you could use a band, tie it to a pole or use a weight stack and you step out and from a, a 90 degree angle, kind of perpendicular, it's going to be pulling you into rotation, but you know, you're not going to let that happen. It's an anti-rotation exercise. But if you're standing there in an athletic stance with, you know, your butt sticking out and you got a big old arch in the low back, yeah, you're performing the exercise, but you're performing it in a position that's going to set you up for failure. So it's really important that you achieve a neutral spine to the best that you can first. Neutral meaning not excessively arching, not excessively rounding, just right in that middle. Then you perform these anti-extension, anti-rotation exercises. That's how you can really achieve some good, true core stability that will prevent, uh, prevent pain and from, uh, from developing. Yes. That's, that's so much great stuff there too. And I think that to summarize a couple of things you said, most people miss the boat on their core training because they're training for flexion. They're training for rotation. They're doing things like say a Russian twist where they're, they have a med ball and they're rotating their spine thinking that's helping, or they're doing sit-ups versus trying to resist that movement is going to, prepare you much more for life, for sport, for lifting. So doing things where your spine isn't moving at all, you're using gravity or a weight or something to try and pull you out of that. And you're training your, your spine and your core to resist the motion is where so many people miss, miss the boat. And I, I love what you added to that too, of make sure that you're doing this with good form or else you're just reinforcing all the bad habits with that. So I think that's you know, I, I, I love those points. And I think the majority of your core training should look like this anti-work that Andrew's talking about of doing things that resist motion that allow you to better stabilize. So for those that are thinking about how to upgrade their core training, that's something you want to evaluate is how much do your training looks like? Are you moving from the spine? Are you moving from the lower back? And how much are you resisting some of that? And the cool thing is, you know, especially if you're if you're a CrossFit athlete or you like to do big body movements, I mean, those are amazing core exercises in and of themselves. If you're doing them properly, you know, you, I'm sure you guys have heard the, you know, uh, the best ab exercises, yeah, that's squat deadlift or that's squat deadlift, bench press, shoulder press, all the big movements. Well, if you, a great example is, is like the thruster, you know, a thruster, I'm sure you guys, some of you guys love it. Most of you guys probably hate it. Uh, it's a good exercise, but you are utilizing your legs, you're utilizing your shoulders, your arms. Guess what's in the middle? Your, your core is working overtime to, to provide stability. And as long as you can keep that sucker nice and neutral, especially when you're pressing that weight overhead, if you kind of think the, uh, 
think about your rib cage and try to keep your ribs down and don't let your ribs flare. And, you know, when you're pressing the weight overhead, well, that suddenly becomes a really effective core exercise. And a lot of the, mo- the movements that we do in CrossFit and in, uh, you know, at the gym and, and, and weightlifting, they are really good core exercises, assuming they're done correctly. Yeah, that's the big caveat is making sure they're done correctly. And that's where locking the, you know, form in it is, is essential. And I, I know we, we went deep on the stability work. We kind of, we, we talked about the common mobility areas, but I, I want to touch back on that. So I feel like we glossed over that a little quickly. If someone is lacking mobility in ankles, hips, upper back, I want it to be clear that if you're missing mobility there, no matter how hard you're aware of your movement, no matter how much you brace stability, if you're trying to press overhead and you don't have any upper back mobility, then it's going to put stress on your lower back. So how do you, you know, I, I know you're, you're really skilled in, in the, your manual interventions and your hands on to help speed this things up. But for people that are doing this on their own, they're lacking a lot of mobility where, you know, do you, do you put any breaks on people for uh, form restrictions or anything? If let's, let's say, let's use tight hips as an example, their hips are super tight. So they can't squat down without rounding their back. Are you removing them from the squat altogether? Or are you having them just work on mobility for the time being? Are you shortening up the depth? What kind of strategies do you give for those that are really stiff and really tight? Cause I think a lot of guys out there fall into this category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly if they're having pain and um, you know, they're just feeding into this poor movement pattern when they're squatting, then I'll, I'll probably, you know, uh, I'll probably just get, get the barbell off their back for now, just for a little period of time um, and give them something that's a little more, um, it's a little easier for their bodies to handle and much safer as they, as we work on improving, improving mobility. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's essentially five areas that we need to really pay attention to five main key areas. And so let's, let's talk about these real quick from the, we're going to go from the ground up because these are the areas that I am working on the most from a hands-on perspective, but I also give all my clients, all my patients, all my athletes, you know, drills that they can work on at home so they can improve and work on this themselves in between visits. And uh, I don't know if there's a, a, some links we could pop up. I could, I could post some of these exercises. I have YouTube videos of all of them. Um, but starting from the ground up, the ankles. So there, there's only one key motion of the ankle that y'all really need to pay attention to, and that is what's called dorsiflexion. That's basically the upward or toes-to-nose motion uh, of the ankle joint when you're restricted there very often it can lead to compensation up the chain. So got to make sure you have adequate ankle dorsiflexion. In the hips, I do divide this into two areas. Uh, You heard me say earlier, the hips themselves and the hip flexors. Hips, if we're, especially if we're sitting all day, you're going to get a a tight, what's called a tight posterior hip capsule. Basically the hip joint is tight. All right. And so addressing that, uh, that specifically in the in hip flexion, uh, which is basically the knee to chest motion, that's what you need to improve. And you'll do that by addressing this, uh, this, the hip joint, the posterior hip capsule. The second one is the hip flexor. Now, the hip flexor, that is another one that it's, it's involved in literally almost every single case of low back pain. It's, in fact, very rare that I get a case of low back pain that I'm not working on this muscle to some extent. Um, it's, it's located in the front of the hip and basically runs from your femur, which is, you know, your, your the giant thigh bone connects onto your uh, pelvis and it attaches to all the lower back segments. So when this sucker is tight, it pulls on the lower back 
and it increases the chance that you move poorly. So there's a lot of different ways to address it. Um, you know, the, the one though that I find works really well is to get in there um, utilizing a kettlebell. So I'll, I'll post a link to this one, um, but I'll have the athlete lie on their back with their knees bent and they'll take the corner of a pretty significant kettlebell, usually 44, you know, 44 pounds or so. And I will show them exactly where uh, the place, you can place the handle of it right on your, your hip flexor. It's called your iliopsoas. And they'll spend about two minutes just kind of digging in there. Um, <clears throat> that I found it, it you know, works wonders for not only uh, treating low back pain, but preventing it if you're trying to be very uh, kind of prophylactic there. Uh, the next area is the thoracic spine. We talked about that. That needs to be improved into both extension, which is bending backwards, and rotation. Uh, so there's a ton of different options for that. And then the last one that's often overlooked, people that have low back pain, is their shoulders. Your ability to reach fully overhead. Um, there's a there's a cool drill with a band that I use that is kind of is kind of kind of touches on all the entire shoulder and all the different muscles that need to be addressed in the overhead position. So we'll get a link for that. Um, but specifically your lats, tight lats are one of the, the, the prime muscles that prevent overhead motion, uh, especially because they actually attach all the way down, run from your shoulder all the way down your back into the sacrum, which is your pelvis. And so if that muscle is tight, it's going to not only prevent your arm from going fully overhead, but it will also increase the chance that you, arch at the low back. So that's a pretty key one. Um, but ensuring we got those five areas addressed, um, you know, it's once you put them all together, um, you know, in a little sequence in your warm up, it's really doesn't take very much time at all. But what, ensuring you address all those will make a major difference in how well your body moves uh, when you exercise. So, um, so yeah, I mean, all, all key areas recommend everyone to start there uh, because that's, uh, it's, they're, they're so common. Yeah, that's great for sharing it. And if you could send those links over, we can include them in the show notes. So I think for people listening, if if you just follow those five, like if, if you're a, a candidate of mobility, if you feel like you're stiff, now you can tell there's so many factors that go into this and you have to be addressing your stability as well. Like Andrew's talked about, you have to be addressing how you're moving. But if you're a stiff guy and you're looking for a place to start, then these five are going to hit the major areas. And just following along those videos, would you say, would you say daily for those, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I would, what, what I would recommend is, yeah, it would take about 10 minutes to do. I would do them twice daily for two weeks just to really get the ball rolling. And then after that, just keep them as a part of your warm up or just do them, you know, uh, once daily. There is one other thing I wanted to point out. I don't know if anyone caught on to that, but I didn't ask anyone to do any long stretches or static stretches. Okay. Pretty much, you know, minus the hip flexor. Every single one of those addresses the joint. And so that's key. That's a key area to, to note in on. You know, we're not doing static prolonged stretching of muscles. Um, we're addressing the joints. And so here's why. So muscles, their job, the job of the muscle is to move a joint, right? And so if let's say I'm the muscle and I'm pushing against a wall and the wall is the joint and the wall is, and the joint is stiff, well, guess who's going to break down? Me, I'm going to lose that battle every day. There's no way I'm going to push that wall down. And so essentially, if you have, like, if you take the ankle, for example, if you're lacking that ankle dorsiflexion and your calf muscles, your gastroc, your soleus are unable to move that joint through its range of motion, then I'm going to break down. I'm going to get tight and I'm going to cause all that tension. 
And so the issue, the issue is a lot of people, they go after the muscle and because it, you know, feels good, but then it just gets tight again. And so they keep stretching it and they keep stretching it and then they're stretching it for months and years. And they're wondering why it's still tight. You know, it is it's so common with the hamstring and you know, we can get in all kinds of areas of the body. But um, if you were to just address the ankle joint, then over time, those muscles will be able to function. Those calf muscles will be able to function the way they're supposed to, the way they need to, and then they won't get tight. Um, <clears throat> so it's just a little, uh, you know, a little tidbit in there that, you know, addressing the joint can really make a big difference in improving mobility, much, much greater difference than just simply stretching all the time or foam rolling for that matter, which is even worse. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point. And you'll see what the exercise that Andrew's going to, going to provide, but it's very much a, a movement standpoint, very much a joint standpoint, because that's, what's going to create long lasting change. And if you found yourself stretching for any length of, if you've been stretching for even a couple months and you're not see, you're seeing minimal change or you come back to the same starting point every time, then you're either addressing the wrong area you're missing the joint component of it, or you're probably not following it up with the proper stability movement work to, to really lock that in. So some things to consider your mobility work should cause change in your mobility, positive change in your mobility. And if it's not, then you need to kind of go back to the drawing board of, of either what you're doing or how you're going about addressing that. Cool. Love it. Yeah. So that's, that's some great stuff. What a, you know, last thing from a, a practical standpoint that I think wanted to hit on was, what about hip hinging? Cause this is something, you know, I know you've, you've preached a lot on in, you know, the, the stuff that you've put out, but what is it about, you know, maybe what are the problems with people's ability to hip hinge first? Maybe what brief description of, of what is a hip hinge and where do you see common mistakes with it as it relate to people moving from the back versus the, the hips themselves? Yeah. I mean, you know, it all ties back into that. Our bodies, one big machine works as a, as a unit and, for all the areas of the body to be healthy and moving well, then they need the adjacent areas, you know, next to them to be moving well um, consistently. And so, a big, a big, a very common pattern that that we see is that the low back is married to the hips, meaning that they move as one. Uh, you know, when you walk, when you jump, when you run, when you lift, it's just there's very minimal. You know, uh, there's very minimal movement between those two areas. You know, our glutes are the biggest muscles in our body. They're the strongest, they're powerful. But if you can't utilize your glutes, uh, you know, to help move, to help move weight, to help move your body, then it's just going to increase stress on the low back. If you can't utilize your hips and hip hinge at your hips, well, it's going to ask the low back to help out more than it wants to. And that's a big cause of both tightness and low back pain. And so one, you know, one really important concept that I, that I address, I would say in 75% of all low back pain cases is improving their ability of their hips to move and, you know, for them to hinge at their hips. So, you know, so that they're not um, asking their back to, to do more than it wants to. I mean, you look at some of these top top athletes that deadlift a ton of weight and you're just wondering why did they, how they not blow up their back? How they not, you know, they're pulling, you know, 600 pounds off the ground or 800 pounds. And they're, you know, how is their back able to handle that? Well, it's because they got a really good hip hinge and they're utilizing their hips, you know, versus the, you know, the, 
everyday athlete that sits behind a computer all day, they get really tight hips and then they go to deadlift 135 and they, their back is just destroyed. Uh, well, a lot of that is, be, or they can't keep a neutral back and it starts to round at the bottom. And a lot of that is because they just can't hip hinge. They, they can't get that hip flexion, you know, uh, um, moments, moment arm in that, in their hips. And, and it just leads to, uh, just use overuse and abuse of that low back. So hip hinging, yeah, is super, super key to, to have a healthy functioning low back. Well, I think where people, people get confused is that they, they think they hear, well, I'm not supposed to round for my back. So they associate that with, well, I shouldn't bend forward at all. I shouldn't do deadlifts or those things. But what we're saying is that, you know, it sounds like what you're saying is you have to hinge at the hips. You're actually moving from your hips, even though your back is tipping forward, your back stays in that neutral position. You're not seeing the rounding or the arching of the back. It's staying fixed. It's staying rigid and you're moving from your hips to pick up that weight. So I, I just want to, wanted to clear up. And if you want to add anything to that, that bending from the back, rounding from the back, those things we're talking about are different than actually bending forward and hip hinging. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I actually just yesterday, uh, oh, I'm sorry. It was, uh, um, Saturday, um, which is, which was two days ago from the day we're recording this. Um, I had a, we we're doing some USA weightlifting, uh, movements, working on the, the clean in the different positions, position one, two, and three on the clean. And I had an, when I was teaching the athlete to go from position two to position one, which is from the knee to the hip, you know, I was trying to tell him that it's only hips, but he's like, well, I'm using my back. And I was like, well, you look at your movement, you know, um, your back, yes, it's moving through space, but the back itself is not actually rounding or extending or moving at all. It's just working on in, improving uh, use of the hips, you know, work on, working on uh, utilizing your glutes, you know, the, like I said, strongest muscles in the body. I mean, there's a, since we're on this subject, um, you know, it's almost a pet peeve of mine that uh, for some reason, 75, if not 90% of the world thinks that if they want to pick something up off the ground, they should be bending their knees and squatting. Well, that uh, the easiest way to, to point out why that's incorrect is, is the deadlift. You know, we, deadlift is literally picking something up off the ground and a very, and it's, it's the, the way you can do it, the way you can pick up the heaviest possible object off the ground is using a hip hinge or a deadlift, not a squat. If you try to squat to pick up that barbell off the ground, there's no way you're going to pick up nearly as heavy a weight as you could a deadlift. And that's because the deadlift is utilizing your glutes more than your quads, which is what the squat would recruit. So if that's how we're picking up these weights and it's very healthy for our bodies, for our low backs, then why is everyone bending their knees and squatting down low to pick something up? I mean, if you squat down to pick up a pencil off the ground that you dropped and you do that, you know, every t with everything all the time, I mean, that's a recipe for injuring your knees and injuring your back because you're just going to overload them. It's not meant to, not built to do that. So um, very often I have to teach, teach people just, you know, how to, Learn, relearn how to pick something up safely off the ground and eventually you know you'll drop something and you go to pick it up and you just naturally hinge the hips very safe very healthy and it'll be very easy and um you know it's, it's a game changer but uh that's sorry that's didn't mean to jump off on that topic there but uh that's a big one that i just felt like i had to say no i, I i'm i have the same pet peeve as you so i i think that was a, a welcome tangent one that people need to hear because people assume that and especially people that have back pain Anytime they bend forward, they, it increases their back pain. So they think that bending is bad. They think that hip pinching is bad and they think they have to squat to pick something up. When in reality, it's your 
ability or your lost ability to properly hip hinge, to properly do the things that we're talking about, stabilizing, moving in the right way that is causing your pain. So it's not a matter of avoiding that movement. It's a matter of retraining it, relearning it, learning how to use it with the right, the right muscles helping out. Yeah. hundred percent. Sweet, man. This is a, yeah, no, this has been awesome. I'm i I'm excited for you to get the exercises over for people listening that they can follow through that mobility sequence is going to be a great starting point for, for probably anyone. No one's definitely, no one's going to be a, going to be hurt from it, especially if you work in your warm up. it's a great way to hit some of those areas. Uh, some of the big takeaways though, that have been gathered from it uh, for you guys listening is make sure you're addressing the lifestyle factors first. Sleep as Andrew talked about is one of the biggest overlooked things, your work postures and your exercise program. Those big three lifestyle factors are all going to be good starting places to, to look when it comes to addressing back pain. Uh, when you go about actually addressing your back pain or trying to prevent it, uh, think about these these big three categories that Andrew's talked about from the lifestyle side of things and then also from the movement side of things. So having good, he talked about midline control, good ability to uh, control what your back is doing, avoiding overarching, avoiding flexion that can cause pain, addressing your mobility so that you can get in those positions. And then from a stability standpoint, training the back to prevent movement rather than to produce it. So those were uh, some of many big things that, you know, I, I wanted to summarize because I think you did a, such a great job talking about all those things and anything you want to add. I, I think that, you know, the big takeaway for people from my standpoint is that there's a lot that goes into back pain and you have to be attacking this from a lot of different angles. Yeah, no, um, you know, it's just, everything happens for a reason. I mean, the, the human body, yeah, there's a lot that is, uh, you know, uh, still misunderstood out there. But I mean, when it comes to back pain, it's, there, there's really, it's, there's not a mysterious, there's not, nothing mysterious about it. You know, it's, it's just a matter of understanding movement and anatomy and the way, you know, and just peeling back the layers and to truly take care of it long-term and to get out of that cyclic pattern that a lot of athletes are stuck in where they feel good for a couple months and they have a flare up and then they feel good for months flare up is you got to get to the root cause i mean i can't emphasize that enough the root what is the root cause exactly as dave mentioned you know um, paying attention to the little things the things outside of training you know that add up over a long period of time the sleeping positions the sitting for long periods the standing for long periods or you know uh, wh whatever the case is it's just you know it's it's something that if not addressed just leads to leads to re repeat repeat problems yeah. And if it's, it's not normal if you're, you know, it's common, but it's not normal. If you're, if you're experiencing a setback with your low back every, every six weeks, every few months, even every six months, like if, if you're in that category that you're like, Oh, well, a couple times a year, it's guaranteed that my back's just gonna, you know, kind of blow out on me and I'll be out of commission for a week or two. And then I'll be back into it. I want you guys to know that that's not normal. You're not addressing the true root cause of what's going on. If you're falling into that category and just cause that's common does not mean it's normal. And I think that's one last thing to definitely clear up. 100%. Three more. Yeah. So, and awesome stuff on the, the backside of things. Got a couple of questions here. Real, real life, uh, real life application type questions that we're going to, going to wrap up with the year from you because, uh, you know, seeing from the outside for you, you're, you're a super, you got a growing practice, super successful business owner. You know, you're growing in the Charlotte area, a newer area for you and uh, building up a real successful practice. You have another staff PT underneath you. Uh, you're, you know, crushing it from a fitness standpoint too. I know when you talked about the joint muscle analogy, you said that 
the wall is going to win if you try and push it down. But if I know anyone that could push the wall over, it's, it's probably you. I mean, you're, yeah. a, <laughs> you're, you're a beast, you're a beast for people that know you. And there's just a lot of, a lot of good things going on in your life. You're doing this teaching, you're, you know, pouring out into other practitioners and helping them grow. And it's just easy to look from the outside. Uh, when we hear these credentials, when you see your practice, when you see you as a person and think that you have it all together and you have it all figured out. And, and you and I both know that's not in reality the case, but it's easy for people looking from the outside to, uh, to maybe see that or assume that and get caught in a comparison trap. So uh, if you wouldn't mind being real with people listening out there, especially for, you know, guys, it's, it's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to be open. It's hard to admit mistakes and flaws. What's a, you know, a challenge you faced in the past, something you're going through now, some kind of uh, challenge that end up being, you know, has ended up being a growth, a catalyst for your growth as a, as a man and as an individual. Yeah, no, Dave, I'm glad you, you, you brought that up because yeah, from everything we just talked about, it's, it's, um, I, I could definitely see how, you know, people may think that I'm, I'm drinking the special green juice or something, but, um, but no, I mean, I have, I have my struggles for sure. Um, you know, and, and the biggest, the biggest, uh, I think change in my life that has allowed me to, you know, accomplish what I've accomplished and, you know, just be really, just really happy, you know, in all, all aspects of my life is just understanding that, you know, there's multiple, multiple areas, you know, uh, that areas of our life that need to eat, they need to have balance and they need to all equally be addressed. And, you know, if I were to divide these into, I don't know, five or six categories, these areas I'm referring to are my career, my mindset, my finances, my relationships, spirituality, um, my emotions, um, and, you know, friends and family. And what I found, what I found that, that has allowed me to just to love life and, and to, to make the most of it is to have balance in all of these categories. You know, I, there's no way I'll be able to accomplish what I've accomplished from a career standpoint if I didn't have solid, you know, if I didn't feel good with my relationships, if I didn't, if I wasn't able to control my emotions and I let myself, you know, uh, react to situations or, you know, um, dwell on things or focus on the past or the future too much, you know, um, there's no way I'd be able to do what, you know, what I do. And, um, the day that I discovered that I, you know, I need to have balance in all of these key areas of life was the, you know, the day that allowed me to, you know, to love life to its fullest and to, you know, to accomplish, you know, as much as I have, but also, you know, it's, it's having a great mindset, having great relationships and, you know, all these aspects, having equality and all of these, um, you know, different, different components has really allowed me to, you know, to, um, to be my best self, to be the best version of myself. And very often people get so caught up in, in business and career and, you know, they get so caught up in, um, you know, let's just say their, their, their emotions and they, they, they neglect, you know, uh, family and friends and, and, you know, their mindset. And, and then they, they, when you lose balance and you can't, you can't be the best version of yourself and you won't live your happiest life. And so, so yeah, highly recommend, you know, simply sitting down and evaluating where you're at in each of those categories. You could even give it a zero to 10 score if you wanted in each of those categories. And, um, Whichever categories are scoring the lowest, a little bit more time, a little bit more effort, a little bit more energy into those categories, and 
you it'll 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 be life changing. And I mean, it was for me, and um, and I know it would be for all of you guys. So um, again, it's you know, and you you can kind of tweak these categories to whatever y'all feel is appropriate. But what I found is uh, business career is one, uh, mindset is another, emotions is another, finances as a whole, uh, relationships, uh, friends and family and spirituality and so just keep in mind all of those and um making sure they're they're well balanced that that was very super key for for me and in my well-being i really appreciate sharing that that's something that i know you know a lot of guys i've talked to struggle with it's something i've struggled with personally is it's so easy to get caught in you know only a few of those categories and then all of a sudden you're letting you know maybe it starts with only letting one category slip and then all of a sudden two or three are slipping and then you wonder why you're losing the, the joy out of things. You wonder why you feel, you know, feel off. And if, if you're neglecting those areas, that's, that's going to catch up sooner or later. And I think it's a, you know, hundred percent agree with you. Something that um, most guys would benefit from going through and actually scoring themselves zero to 10. It's something that it's not a one-time thing either. This is personally something I review every, every single week on, on Sundays I'll go through and it doesn't take long, but to go through, write these categories out, give them a, a zero to 10 score and a couple of quick notes of what you're doing well and what you can improve on. And, and, and that's, that's been amazing for me as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. So last thing here, and, uh, this, this kind of bleeds in with the last question, but it's our hypothetical scenario for, for all the guests on here. So you're, uh, leaving a, a favorite coffee shop in town, favorite restaurant, favorite brewery in town, and you run into your younger self of 10 years back. Uh, so younger, younger Andrew asks, Current Andrew for some some life advice, looking for some guidance. You're on your way to important important day full of full of patients you're seeing. So you only have 60 seconds to talk with him. So gotta gotta keep you brief on this. What are you what are you saying to him? What advice are you giving to him uh, for the younger Andrew of of 10 years younger? Gosh, I wish I had something groundbreaking to tell you, but it's literally exactly what I just went over before. Is I would tell them to uh, stop focusing so damn much on my career and making money and all that and being successful and to live in the moment, enjoy the process. You know, not not the not the end not the end game. Have balance in all your aspect, all those different aspects I mentioned, and enjoy the process because it's so easy to get caught up and you know getting stuck in the rat race. And you know, in the, at the end of the day, it's how well you enjoy the process is, is how well you live your life. And that's the time that you spend. It's not just the outcome, whatever that outcome is. So, um, it's just taking time to make sure all your cups are full in all those areas. And that's how essentially you, you enjoy that process. So, um, yeah, I, I wish I could go back and say that to myself for sure. Sometimes we, sometimes we take a little longer to learn. Appreciate you sharing that though. That doesn't have to be groundbreaking, but that's uh man, if you're just doing that, that's a, a pretty darn good start. So thanks for sharing that. Andrew has been awesome, man. I, I appreciate you being on here, sharing so much great knowledge. Where can, where can people find you? We're going to put those videos in the, in the show notes to link to your YouTube channel, I'd assume, but where else can people locate you if they're interested in reaching out? Yeah. I mean, the best, the best thing, the best way to get a hold of me is probably through Instagram. Um, my, uh, handle is at the Charlotte athlete. Um, certainly y'all can email me, Andrew at the Charlotte athlete.com. If you have any specific questions or, or wanted to discuss any topics we went over, be glad to, to take a moment and uh, help you out as any way I can. Um, you can also find us on uh, on Facebook or our website, which is the Charlotte athlete.com. Awesome, man. No, it's a lot of fun. Appreciate you being on here. And, uh, you know, yeah, go, go get your backs right. This is something that don't take lightly because if you haven't experienced it yet, you're going to. So stay on top of it. And I uh, appreciate you sharing all this, Andrew.
Dave, I had a blast. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Men Made For More podcast. I hope you found today's show valuable and that you have some actionable strategies you can apply to your life today. If this is your first time listening, thanks for being here. The aim of this podcast is to provide a ton of the best possible content to help you grow in your journey to becoming the best version of yourself. If you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. These subscriptions and reviews help other like-minded men discover the podcast and take the next step in strengthening their body, their mind, and their purpose. If you're a regular listener, I can't thank you enough for investing in yourself in this show. Please make sure to share this with a friend or post on social media and tag me with your favorite part from today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to join the Men Made For More Facebook group to be a part of a community of like-minded men that are elevating their game and living for more by searching Men Made For More on Facebook. Keep challenging yourself, growing, and know that it's okay to get out of your comfort zone and know that you're made for more. Thanks for listening and see you guys soon.